Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health. Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mud Water offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mud Water is zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mud Water as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mud Water difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mud Water. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. And just like that, we're on the last Friday of January. Hi folks, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for returning, yes, for another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. I hope you enjoyed our uh, first two episodes here this week. Monday, it was my appearance over on Chief Chats with the great Todd Hagopian and Kevin Hobby. A great conversation talking about why, yes, messaging matters. On Wednesday, I had Brad Lyon join the show talking about his awesome new film, talking about, yes, and in the duopoly, let's party. A uh, great conversation there about his brand new film. And then today, yes, here on the Brian Nichols Show, we are in store for a great conversation about the merits of how we vote, focusing on ranked choice voting versus that of approval voting. And today we are being joined uh, by, well, one, a familiar guest here on the Brian Nichols Show, one Aaron Hamlin from the Center for Election Science as well as Kyle Bailey, and Kyle is the campaign manager for the Committee for Ranked Choice Voting, and today they join the show to discuss the merits, yes, of approval voting versus ranked choice voting, uh, why one is better than the other, Kyle obviously taking the, ch- uh, the, the position of ranked choice voting, uh, looking specifically at states like well, he worked in in Maine, uh, and then uh, Aaron taking the, the uh, stance of approval voting, looking at specifically Fargo, North Dakota, and uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So it's a great conversation, definitely uh, will help change the way we look at voting. So without further ado, on to the show, Aaron Hamlin and Kyle Bailey here on The Brian Nichols Show. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you. 
Absolutely. Aaron Hamlin, you are a returning guest to The Brian Nichols Show from the Center for Election Science. Kyle Bailey, the Committee for Ranked Choice Voting. You're the campaign manager up in the great state of Maine. And today we are discussing, yes, ranked choice voting versus approval voting. But candidly, right, and I was saying this before we we started the conversation, this is not a debate of, of sorts, but rather more just an open panel, more of a conversation. And I think it would be great for the audience because, you know, right here at The Brian Nichols Show, you know, the episode that aired on Wednesday, um, we're talking about ending the duopoly. How can we change the way we vote, right, um, to to facilitate a better tomorrow? And part of the, you know, what I talked about on Wednesday with um, the, the director of the film Let's Party is going through the culture, trying to change people's minds, and the way that you gentlemen have approached it is going through the electoral systems. So um, let's do this, because um, Aaron, you are a familiar voice. Let's kind of do a quick reintroduction. Uh, Aaron Hamlin, Center for Election Science, and a quick uh, review of why you are a proponent of approval voting. Let's start there. Sure. So the Center for Election Science empowers voters through voting methods that strengthen democracy. In particular, we advocate for approval voting. Approval voting is a very simple voting method that allows voters to simply choose as many candidates as they approve of instead of just one, like they're normally restricted to. And it's still most votes wins. The winner is the candidate uh, who has... uh, more approval than anyone else. Uh, so it's very straightforward, very easy to implement, uses the same kind of uh, ballot design, only just changing the wording, no fancy costs for new machines or anything like that. Cool. And obviously when I had you on the show the first time, I was confusing um, in what I thought was ranked choice voting, but it's actually board account voting. So, uh, you know, I was originally in that kind of mentality, but how about this? Uh, before we go into the differences between these voting systems, Kyle Bailey, introduce yourself and uh, this idea of ranked choice voting. Sure. So Kyle Bailey, I'm the campaign manager for the Committee for Ranked Choice Voting. We won the nation's first adoption of ranked choice voting statewide in the state of Maine uh, and protected that win here and expanded it to, to use it for president, uh, U.S. Senate, Congress and down ballot races. Uh, Alaska's now adopted ranked choice voting as well. And it's used in cities across the country. It's pretty simple, straightforward system. Uh, instead of picking just one candidate uh, in a race with more than two candidates, you can rank your choices from your favorite to your least favorite. Uh, knowing that if no candidate gets an outright majority, uh, the candidate in last place is eliminated. Uh, candidate uh, Voters who voted for that candidate have their uh, vote counted for their second choice. Uh, and there's a instant runoff uh, and a process of elimination uh, whereby uh, voters come together and select a, a majority winner. Uh, in a race uh, to make sure that the consensus of voters is heard, that the so-called spoiler effect goes away, uh, levels the playing field uh, for independent third-party candidates in general elections and primaries can help unite the party behind their nominee uh, and does away with the idea that third-party candidates uh, like libertarians are spoilers and, and allows them to compete uh, in general elections uh, and and not be pushed out of the way by the big parties. Uh, and I think that's the powerful piece of this reform. Well, I, I think we can start off here. Across the board, everybody's going to be collectively saying, yay, because both uh, parties here agree that, yes, we want more voices at the table, right? And now, um, as is, is most things in our movement, now it's a matter of, well, how do we actually make it happen? So let's start here. I think we can first compare and contrast what we have in place as our current voting system, right, with the proposals that you two gentlemen are are leading forward right now with. So uh, let's start here, Kyle. Um, you know, you just mentioned Maine as a, a state that you've been having some success in and getting ranked choice voting. So let's talk about the ranked choice voting system in Maine 
versus what was the uh, traditional pick one system that was uh, traditionally in Maine? Yeah, so we had a, a history of elections in our state going back to the 1970s, particularly in governor's elections, where we had three, four and five way general elections. And candidates were oftentimes winning with 40 percent or less of the vote. In fact, uh, in half of our governor's races going back to the 70s, um, a majority of the time, uh, candidates were winning with less than 40 percent of the vote. And it was becoming a real problem. Uh, It was used against those candidates by the legislatures. Legislators were saying they had more uh, uh, political will from the people represented than the governors, more of a mandate from the people. Uh, there was uh, consistently vote splitting campaigns became more negative. And so ranked choice voting uh, trickled up uh, through the League of Women Voters and other good go- government groups as the uh, the best reform for Maine uh, to resolve the problem because it allowed voters to express their preferences uh, among the candidates uh, and allow uh, coalitions to come together and 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 allow consensus to form among voters to ensure that candidates who are opposed by a majority couldn't win and and empowered voters in that process of having more choice and more voice at the ballot box and leveling the playing field. So that was really how ranked choice voting got its start here in Maine. And it's taken off all across the country. And we're excited to see it, you know, in New York and the Twin Cities and the Bay Area, again, in Alaska uh, and all over. And so uh, there's a real movement. And uh, I think especially with the events that have been happening in our country in the last months and weeks and years, You know, people are hungry for change and they're looking for uh, ways in which we can fix our democracy. And I think every community has to decide what's the right system uh, for them and what are the right changes for their community. But uh, certainly ranked choice voting uh, is something that I think folks should take a look at because it it is a substantive and significant change, I think, that that does something that no other reform that I've seen really gets at. Now, let's uh, go to you, Mr. Hamlin. Um, Center for Election Science, I've had you on before, and we discussed this approval voting, right? And maybe to Kyle's point, ranked choice voting, you would say that, and maybe your average person, maybe they've heard of it in, in conversation. They might not be too familiar with it, but approval voting, even when you were on the show the first time, I was confused. I said, what's approval voting? So I, l- let me ask you this. Let's first look at approval voting um, as a system and compare it, right? And I know you like to use the example Fargo, North Dakota um, versus that traditional pick one system. So let's talk about the merits there. Yeah. So again, uh, approval voting, you are simply selecting as many candidates as you approve of. Most candidates, uh, the candidate with the most votes wins. Uh, so uh, approval voting has been implemented in two cities, uh, one in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, where it passed by uh, 63%. Uh, again, in the November election, this past November in St. Louis, where it passed by 68%. In Fargo, there was a terrible situation where candidates were winning by with like 30% of the vote. Uh, there's just vote splitting going on all over the place. Um, uh, the uh, most recent first place winner uh, in the last Fargo election for their commission uh, had 55% approval, uh, which is a completely different world with uh, the elections that they had before. In St. Louis, uh, there is a, 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 an upset in that people in the community were really frustrated that a number of people from the Black community were having their votes split. Um, there are a number of voices coming from the Black community, and it it felt really frustrating that they were just dividing the vote, the vote among themselves and not really able to get themselves heard. And as a consequence, like not getting representation at all because of the vote splitting. Um, and we're seeing that being addressed uh, uh, this election, a very exciting election that we're looking forward to uh, in, in March for, for St. Louis. Uh, so what we see here is an opportunity to give voters more voice uh, by allowing them to express themselves uh, and doing it in a simple way. 
uh, and in a, in a way that makes sure that all the information that they provide is counted and, and, uh, the, and the voters are heard. They're not having to worry about these vote splitting issues. And this is wonderful for third parties who often um, are, are accused of being spoilers as well as just not getting very much support in general. And it's not that they don't have that support. It's just that we have a voting method that doesn't allow voters to convey that support. And that's what we're changing with approval voting. Well, it's interesting, right? Because my profession, I'm a sales executive. And one of the things I'm always focused on is how can we help solve problems? And and what I'm hearing from both of you is your your both your solutions are helping solve a lot of problems that we see right now. Number one, uh, to, to the point we made earlier, it's increasing competition in the electoral system. You guys are, are both advocating systems that are going to give uh, voters more options, right? Which is great. Number two, you're giving uh, each constituent more of a voice. Now they're able to actually put, uh, you know, their vote behind what they believe in. And it's interesting. I've, I've been having some folks in the show. I actually just talked about this yesterday um, on my show here, um, discussing again, the, the movie Let's Party, where I had Ian Dunn on the show from the BBC. He's a, a big contributor over there. And uh, he was discussing how when he's looking at elections, that he's never had the luxury of voting for someone that he, he wanted to vote for, but rather um, it was often voting against the worst possible outcome. So you know, it's interesting because I hear that as a problem across the board, and I think your average person would be very empathetic with that notion. And it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, and jump ball here, but it sounds like both of your solutions would help solve that problem instead of having to feel every time you're voting to protect yourself from the the lesser of, or rather, in this case, the worse of the two evils by voting for the lesser of two evils. Now, it's actually creating an incentive structure in place that would facilitate people to vote for the people they actually want to see in office, voting for policies they actually want to see enacted. Does that sound more, uh, more fair? Jump ball. Kyle, Aaron... <laughs> I, you know, I, I would say uh, I think that approval voting is a better voting system than plurality, pick one plurality voting. I just don't think it's a better voting system than ranked choice voting. And I think the for me, the the missing component of approval voting, you know, the you could say one of the arguments, the upside of approval voting is a simplified, simplified ballot design, for example, over ranked choice voting. I think that's a that's a fair assessment. I think for me, though, the challenge comes down to not being able to express your preferences among the candidates. So, you know, you've got a race with a Green, a Democrat, a Libertarian, a Republican and a Patriot Party candidate um, with approval voting. You might vote for the Patriot, the Libertarian and the Republican, all things being equal. Right. Okay. Uh, with ranked choice voting, you can express your nuanced preferences between those candidates uh, and have your vote count uh, for one of those candidates uh, in the end scenario, based on uh, what your ordered preference would be, and I and I do think that um, I think voters are, are pretty sophisticated and and actually do have nuanced preferences between folks on the political spectrum. And I think if given the opportunity, you know, when you go to the ice cream parlor and your choices are chocolate, uh, vanilla, strawberry, chocolate chip, I mean, people sort of know what they think about more than two flavors of ice cream. Um, and I think they ought to have the chance to express those nuanced preferences. And that, that to me, is a big difference between ranked choice voting and approval voting. 
uh, and why I land on ranked choice voting over approval voting. Interesting. So, Aaron, it's actually funny, right? Let's go back to like the first time you were on the show. That was kind of my objection, right? I was like, well, I want to be able to rank, you know, the, the people I like. And I was actually on your website, right? And there was a really interesting um, graph. It was at the very, very bottom of uh, approval voting versus ranked choice voting. And it was talking about the simplicity of the voting system and then the group satisfaction. And when you look at it, uh, in ter- terms of actually getting some group satisfaction, border count seems to be one of, and this is the one I was approaching, one of the higher um, in terms of being sim- simple, but also in terms of actually getting um, group satisfaction for the quote unquote magic best winner um, scenario, right? So I asked that because it kind of goes to Kyle's point, um, and it was originally why I th- I thought it was ranked choice voting was actually border count, is would that maybe kind of be a, a hybrid middle ground? And I asked that because it does give them chance for people to to vote beyond just this plurality system, right? But then to Kyle's concern, right? Then you give you the chance to rank your your vote, give your preference a little bit more weight versus having to say, well, I'm going to give my equal vote to, you know, Gary Johnson in 2016 as much as I am to, you know, Donald Trump. I don't think somebody would want to say that those votes were equal and they would want to be able to differentiate that just from a feel-good standpoint. I think maybe that's, that's a, a middle ground. Is that maybe on the right path? Yeah, so I think um, that's a common initial concern with approval voting. That it seems like, well, like I'm I'm saying something about each candidate, but it uh, but I'm only saying whether I like them or I don't like them. Uh, perhaps it feels like they're not expressing themselves as as much as they want, uh, even though they're already expressing themselves far more than they would under a choose one voting method. But one of the things that's important here is that. Uh, we think about the context of elections like normally, like there are a bunch of people running. Um, and sometimes, with, for instance, with a ranking ballot, uh, it may be truncated, given a longer candidate list. Or even if it's not truncated, um, as I see like in, in Maine, like it looks like they uh, they don't limit it to just three in Maine with the, the ranked choice ballots. They, they allow more, uh, more rankings. Um, but you also have an issue of, of voter fatigue in terms of like voters not expressing as much information. Uh, uh, particularly due to voter fatigue. And we know like you put less information there, uh, it can ch- uh, compromise results. But interestingly, even if we take it just as it is with the, the uh, approval voting and think about, okay, well, how has ranked choice voting done with allowing this extra expression um, on its ballot, like in Maine? Um, and we can look, say, to the uh, 2018 election with the uh, second district. Uh, there, the independent candidate uh, he was knocked out, uh, got under 6%. And if we look to the presidential election uh, in Maine, which also used uh, ranked choice voting, the highest uh, scoring third-party candidate, uh, the Libertarian, didn't even crack 2% under instant runoff voting, a voting method that was championed on being able to help third parties. With the, And I think there are some, some clear reasons for that that are specific to how ranked choice voting works. So when you're on your ballot, it seems like you're providing all this information. But if if you're a candidate, even if they have a lot of broad support, like a bunch of second choice votes, um, even though like with the ranking method, you can't tell between like first, second or third, like where that threshold is from where I really like a candidate versus when I don't. Um, but with ranked choice voting, if if your candidate get, gets knocked out through, say, vote splitting or otherwise, so that it has fewer first choice votes, the rest of the information that you put on your ballot isn't even acknowledged. And that's what we're, I think we're seeing when we're seeing these voting results in, in Maine. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why we didn't see the third party candidates do very well. I mean, to not crack 2% is pretty bad for for a third party. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that uh, in the, uh, that libertarians 
uh, Green Party candidates and independents have that have that little support. I think their eyes, their, their ideas have a lot more traction, but you need a voting method to capture that. And we've done that explicitly. So, for example, in 2016, uh, we ran a poll uh using approval voting as well as other voting methods. And we asked, well, what did you think about Gary Johnson? What did you think about Joe Stein as well? And their support multiplied it. Uh, Joe Stein went from 1% to 9%. Gary Johnson went from uh, 7% under the poll uh, to 21%. And that's because the information, albeit simple, is all captured in a way that accurately reflects, that accurately reflects these candidates' support. And support, uh, I'll say, that uh, they deserve and, and really needs to be reflected for their ideas to be heard. Kyle, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'll let you uh, take a jump ball in terms of where you want to start. Um, so one of the things I think, you know, obviously we'll, we'll start maybe focusing here was Maine's actual, I guess, uh, the outcome of these ranked choice votings. Now, you were on the ground being <laughs> one of the, the main movers and shakers. So I guess I got to take uh, some of Aaron's, uh, I guess, uh, points raised there. And let's kind of hear your your thoughts. Yeah, so we have five candidates on the presidential ballot here in Maine. Uh, and it is true that none of those, uh, those third party candidates did particularly well. But I think that's probably a product of really the polarization in the political climate right now. I mean, it, this was a this was an election between Donald Trump and people who were opposed to Donald Trump. And I think a lot of people felt compelled one way or the other uh, to, to go to the Democratic or Republican camp. And I don't think that I think the ranked choice voting was a was not really a factor for people in this uh, election. I think this was a national conversation happening. So I think <clears throat> this didn't really come into play in our presidential race here. Um, because of those those reasons. And we actually are one of two states that awards our uh, electoral college votes proportionally. So we were watching to see whether it would play out that 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 might impact one way or the other. But Donald Trump won a significant majority in the second district and Joe Biden won a significant majority in the first district and Joe Biden won a fairly healthy majority statewide. So <clears throat> the majority preferences of people were very clear in the election about where they wanted to go. So the ultimate goal of ranked choice voting is to try to determine what what a majority of voters want. Um, and that was that was made known in this election. I think what was interesting about the 2018, <clears throat> excuse me, what was interesting about the 2018 implementation of ranked choice voting in Maine was uh, in, in the second congressional district election, the first time we used ranked choice voting, there were two independent candidates who together garnered about 10% of the vote. Um, they had very little money, a uh, little name recognition, but they got on the debate stage. Uh, and because of ranked choice voting, they were able to participate in the process and not be called spoilers. And I think they overperformed people's expectations for how they did in that election. And people had a chance to, to rank them as their first choice and even uh, the second choice in terms of uh, if you, you ranked the both independents as your top two choices. But then by a two to one margin, voters moved to the challenger in that election and defeated an incumbent congressman who had told voters in that election, whatever you do, don't rank your choices. Ranked choice voting is stupid. Um, you should only rank one candidate uh, versus the challenger who said, who said, who reached out to the voters who liked the independent candidates the best and said, you know, if I can't be your first choice, I hope you'll consider making me you know, your second choice or even your third choice, I want to represent you too. And I think that's the power of ranked choice voting is the ability to build coalitions. And it's something that you you don't really get with approval voting. Um, because in fact, uh, in approval voting, you can have similar parties or similar candidates actually working against each other in a very tactical way to say, you know, don't, whatever you do, don't approve of the other person who's like me. Uh, it's sort of like the you know, the school board race where you've got three candidates 
you know, um, uh, you know, you can you can vote for up to three candidates and there's six people running and you walk into the polling place and you only vote for one because your your vote has more weight, more power if you just vote for one tactically. And it's really you get tactical choices that have to come into play with approval voting where you think about, OK, well, maybe I just want to want to approve of this one rather than than weighing out my vote across these multiple candidates. Um, with ranked choice voting, you get to order those preferences. So you don't have to worry about um, uh, giving approval to all those candidates. You get to actually express those two preferences between them. And I think that's what's really significant and allows, you know, like-minded candidates and like-minded parties to come together in a, in a much more healthy way to build consensus. And I think that at the end game, you know, obviously this is a conversation about leveling the playing field for third-party independent candidates. But at the other end of this uh, tunnel too, is that we have a dysfunctional government that doesn't solve problems, um, that isn't working for the American people. And we want to break down the partisanship and the polarization and the gridlock in government. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is changing the way we elect politicians to incentivize different ways of campaigning. And you know, if we can encourage people to come together and campaign differently and be more collaborative and build coalitions rather than encouraging like-minded people to duke it out on the campaign trail, I think we'll get a much more healthy process on the back end because I can tell you as a state representative in Maine, you know, I see the baggage that comes from folks who've been on the campaign trail on the inside and how, uh, how it damages the relationships. And so if we can clean that up, uh, just a little bit even on the campaign side, I think it will make a big difference on the inside of governing. And ranked choice voting, I've always said, is not a silver bullet, it does not eliminate negative campaigning by any means. Um, but it can help make a difference and, and it can improve the, the tone of the conversation. We see it with voters in Maine all the time. I mean, it has changed significantly the conversations that voters have about candidates in elections and how they talk uh, more about issues uh, I mean, some of the parties, PACs and politicians are still figuring it out, but voters have, have really changed the way they talk about campaigns here. So would it be fair to say, and I'll ask this in general question, that, you know, Kyle, if you were to look at approval voting and Aaron, if, if you were to look at ranked choice voting, that you would both look at those alternatives as better, I would say, across the board than the status quo we have now? Say, Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. So we got yes from Kyle, Aaron. Uh, I, w- I would say so, uh, but I would I would add the the caveat that virtually any other voting method uh, <laughs> would be better than what we have now. So Agreed. it's a very small bar to pass. Well, and then, hey, at least we can find a little bit of a common ground there. So how about this then? Let's, because I'm a sales guy, right? And I would love it to see if while we can try to find a little bit of common ground, Kyle. You know, you just had the chance to, you know, go ahead and talk about the you know, the merits of, of ranked choice voting versus approval voting. But Aaron, I would love it if you could, you know, maybe just stop being a proponent for a second of approval voting. And if you had to make your best argument for ranked choice voting, what would it be? Um, what So even in an article that I had done on the limits of ranked choice voting, I started that out by saying, this is what I think ranked choice voting does best. And again, like I think virtually any other voting method besides plurality would do this. Uh, but when you have kind of a small time a spoiler or spoiler uh, candidate, like, and I say that kind of with quotation marks, uh, because I think everyone uh, deserves to run and get the support that they deserve. Uh, but when a candidate uh, is in a situation where they don't have a lot of support or a lot of first choice preferences, at least, uh, 
and they cause the outcome to change uh, for a worse outcome, uh, how is that kind of dynamic addressed? And I think ranked choice voting does that well when you have someone that doesn't have a lot of support. Uh, it did that well, I think, in the uh, Polkwin election uh, in uh, the District 2 in, in Maine. Uh, where it transferred votes over from the independents to the major parties, but I would I would caveat with that saying like that those independents surely did not get the support that they deserved, um, and that uh, RCB uh, doesn't give them the support they deserve, but it does at least make it so that they don't change the outcome for the worse. So now, Kyle, I got to give you the chance, right? Because uh, Aaron got the chance to sell, you know, at least RCV as the the, the positive that could be over, well, you know, the, the current system, as is anything, uh, admittedly. So, Kyle, if you had to make your, your sales pitch, uh, your best argument in favor of, of approval voting, what, what would that be? Uh, you know, I think approval voting uh, is a uh, interesting voting system. I mean, it was developed in the 1970s by a mathematician and a game theorist. It's designed really with a simple, as I said before, a simple ballot design. It doesn't really change the the ballot design as is. It just allows you to, you know, uh, approve of more than one candidate. And I think that's a pretty simple approach um, to addressing some of the same challenges that ranked choice voting is trying um, to get at. Uh, I certainly agree with Aaron that uh, on the reverse side, <laughs> that there's more challenges that aren't addressed by approval voting, but uh, but I think the uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, approval voting has a simplified simplified ballot design and uh, achieves some of the same uh, objectives as uh, as ranked choice voting. Well, there you go. See, at least I got you guys to talk nice about the other uh, other proposal. But how about this? Because I it is a conversation, but it also I think is a chance for you guys to make your pitch. So as we wrap up here uh, with the final five minutes or so, uh, let's do this. Um, you know. I, Aaron, we, we talked to you first. So I think we'll talk to you last. So Kyle, how about this? Let's give you the chance here to uh, go ahead. Give your best pitch to the audience. Why is there leaving the Brian Nichols show episode here? They have an action item, and that is to go out and support ranked choice voting in their local state community and actually change the way they vote in favor of a ranked choice voting system. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's pretty simple. Uh you should never have to vote for the lesser of two evils when there's another candidate you really like. Ranked choice voting gives you the freedom to vote for the candidate you like the best without worrying you'll have to like the candidate you like the least. It gives you the power to rank your choices in order of individual preference. Um, it levels the playing field for candidates with the best ideas and not the biggest bank accounts uh, and really empowers voters with more voice and more choice. Um, it allows third uh, third party candidates to to get in the ring to get on the debate stage, to share their ideas, to hold the big parties accountable, but also to have a path to win. So the voters are watching that that debate. They can say, I really like what that Libertarian Party candidate has to say. I'm going to rank them my first choice. And if that candidate can convince enough voters to rank them first, they'll come in first and defeat the other candidates. And that is the opportunity uh, for you know, candidates like libertarians and other third party candidates to have an open door to finally compete in our democracy. Because to me, that's been the missing link. You can tackle money in politics. You can tackle gerrymandering. You can tackle a lot of different issues. And I think you need to, to level the playing field in a lot of different ways. But if you don't fundamentally change the voting system uh, that the duopoly has rigged against third parties, uh, then you won't get at the heart of uh, the issue. And I think ranked choice voting with empowering voters uh, with the ability to express their true preferences among 
the candidates and to lead with ranking candidates like a libertarian candidate first uh, is the fundamental change that's needed uh, to shake up the system and uh, open the door for change. Man, people are going to hear an overarching theme this week. It's just F the system across the board. I'm digging it. Aaron Hamlin, let's make uh, your pitch, right? So as we wrap up here, approval voting, you're having success in Fargo, North Dakota, and most recently, as you mentioned, St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, to folks out there who are looking to change their voting systems, why approval voting? So first off, as we've uh, said time and again, it's extremely simple. Uh, the ballot change is very easy to do. You just allow people to select as many candidates as they want. Uh, most of twins. You don't need any kind of expensive intervention with the uh, voting machines. Uh, and it's transparent. Uh, I think a lot of people care about that nowadays, making sure that they can understand the process. Uh, there's nothing complicated about addition. Uh, and so it, it doesn't get uh, any simpler than that. Uh, a voting method also should uh, elect strong consensus winners. Approval voting is excellent at that. Uh, it tends to elect the candidate in the middle of the electorate, wherever that uh, middle is for that particular electorate. Um, and it doesn't uh, uh, split votes the way that we see uh, under our, our current choose one method. Uh, it also does a good job of uh, taking in information. So uh, when it's, it, approval voting is asking you to have a say on each individual candidate, whether you like them or whether you don't like them. And approval voting listens. It listens to all the information you provide. It's not looking at any particular piece of information at any one point. It's always listening to your entire ballot. It's using all the information. And it's because it's listening to all the information. That's why third party and independent candidates do so well under approval voting and making sure that they are able to get their support captured so that they can't be ignored uh, so that their voices are heard. And even in some cases, so that other, uh, uh, even if they don't win, uh, some of their ideas might get co-opted as well if they don't quite have the support yet to be able to win. And it's important to be able to have that foothold with approval voting to make sure that third parties, independents, and others with new ideas are able to get traction. Because if, if that's not the case, then we're just not moving anywhere. And if you want to get involved and make sure that we move somewhere and move forward, uh, then you can go to our website at electionscience.org, go under Take Action, and you can join one of our many dozens of chapters already throughout the country. Aaron, are you trying to be host? Because that's where I was going next. Plug time. Yes. So Aaron, you got the plug in there for Center for Election Science. Kyle Bailey, where can folks go ahead and support the committee for ranked choice voting? You can check us out on Facebook, uh, RCV uh, Maine. You can also check out RCV America. Uh, that's my project, uh, working to bring ranked choice voting across America. And you can check out coalition partners like uh, Fair Vote, Represent Us, Unite America, a lot of different groups across the country who are working to move the ball to expand on the victories in Maine and Alaska, uh, the Twin Cities, the Bay Area, and the dozens of cities across America uh, and the countries around the world that are already using ranked choice voting. Gentlemen, I think we can all agree, well, at least all of our proposals here are better than the current status quo system of this old pick one system. And I'm hoping that this episode will leave folks with lots of questions. And folks, please, if you do have lots of questions, head over to the show notes, all the links to both the Center for Election Science, as well as the Committee for Ranked Choice Voting will be available for you folks to find in the show notes. With that being said, Kyle Bailey and Aaron Hamlin, thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you. Thanks so much, Brian. 
Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo and his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seats. So... Head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his grand mayonnaise conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo, available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation, well, roundtable conversation with uh, Kyle Bailey and Aaron Hamlin, a, a great conversation. I think uh, we we left the conversation uh, as, as a collective group finding, yes, some common ground, and that is what? Uh, looking to empower voters, giving people more options out there, more competition, because guess what? Competition works! Uh, and, and guys, if you are wanting to learn more and want to see if you can get some ranked choice voting or approval voting or or whatever new voting system board account, hey, that's my, uh, my realm. Um, I say my realm I, I act like i know everything about it i support board account voting i think it's a, a nice uh, middle ground between approval voting and uh, ranked choice voting just my two cents um but if you want to get more uh involved well, please do number one share this episode with family and friends we have to get more people out there educated that there are different voting systems out there for people to go ahead and, uh, and take advantage of because it will help create better electoral systems and then ultimately lead to <laughs> i know <laughs> libertarians gonna go come on better governance. I know, how about that? When people are able to actually vote for things they want versus against the worst possible outcomes, we might see inevitably some positive outcomes uh, in, in terms of the governance better reflecting what people actually want. Now, I'm not saying if that's going to be uh, objectively better or worse, but hey, at least it'll be more reflective of what people actually do want. Um, I'm just going to stop right there. Anyways, find me on Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com at Liberty. If you share the episode, make sure you go ahead and tag me. And if you particularly enjoy the episode, well, two things. First and foremost, go ahead and email me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. Let me know your thoughts, but also uh, head over to your favorite uh, podcast catcher, be it Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, wherever, SoundCloud, but just do us a favor, all right? We don't charge anything here at The Brian Nichols Show for doing three episodes per week. So all I ask you guys is uh, just five minutes of your time. Head over there, give us a five-star rating and review, and tell folks why you are a constant subscriber here of the Brian Nichols show three times a week, folks. That's right. We're, we're pumping out content left and right with a uh, really a lot of great guests. I'm, I'm humbled at the number of guests we've had here at the beginning of this year and also the guests here to come. Um, and, and here, here's what we're going to do. Um, because I am such a fan of you guys being fans. Here is one of our awesome reviews, five star reviews over on Apple podcasts. Andy man. Yes. Andy man says this show is very informative. It presents a wide array of viewpoints in an easy-to-understand format if you watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, etc., and you think you're getting the whole story, think again. This show isn't afraid to have guests who disagree with each other and actually discuss points in a civil manner without just shouting over each other until the next commercial. Highly enjoyable. I feel smarter after having listened to it. How about that? And and what a topical review um, to discuss as we wrap up our conversation here with Aaron Hamlin and Kyle Bailey. Uh, because yes, it was a great conversation. Would you see this over on CNN? Heck no. So uh, again, if you're getting the value uh, as much as Andy did here, um, please 
five-star rating and a review. Tell folks out there why you are a subscriber here to The Brian Nichols Show. So coming up here next week, what can you guys get in store for? Well, I teased it as a show here this week. Well, I am re-recording my conversation with Joe Soloski. He is the gubernatorial candidate here in Pennsylvania running as a libertarian in 2022. I'm having a great conversation with him again, and you'll be able to hear that on Monday. Coming up here on Wednesday, Kim Ruff returns to the show. She ran for president back in 2020, and this time she is running for Arizona State Mine Inspector, and uh, we get to learn what the heck does a state mine inspector do, but also, why should a libertarian be the one who's the state mine inspector? And then coming up here next Friday, our good friend Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show returns to the Brian Nichols Show. And we're discussing all things about living outside of the United States of America. Because I think a lot of people right now are looking at the U.S. and saying, what the heck is going on? How can I get out? And if you're one of those people, well, here's a great episode in store for you. So you have three phenomenal episodes coming up here next week. So make sure you hit subscribe. Do not miss a single phenomenal episode. But that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show. For Aaron Hamlin and Kyle Bailey, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.